0: This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report.
1: At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, relax, Grab a cold and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to the Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold, Commodore Nation. Anchor down. The drunk girl scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just time to make it in this crazy
2: town. Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 223 on a Wednesday night, June the 7th, 2023. We are powered By Alaco Finewood Floors, family-owned and operated for more than two decades, Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue out in Berry Hill. Give them a call at 615-356-0303 or log on to alacofinewoodfloors.com. Boys, the run is over. The the, the hot stretch of of uh, Vanderbilt doing everything well, getting all the wins where you can take them. They lose in a regional at home for the second straight season. Uh, that is the Vandy boys. And uh, obviously disappointment, uh, massive disappointment. We're going to get to the regional recap. We'll recap the entire season, talk about the future of Vanderbilt baseball and, and where it's going, where it's headed in this NIL and portal age, especially in the SEC We'll, we'll try to dish out some final grades as well. I don't have mine yet. I don't know if anybody does, but we'll kind of, throughout the pod, kind of develop those, and we'll release those a little bit later. We'll also get to fan comments and questions. Got a few of those, obviously not a whole lot with the vibes being low. But, well, it's interesting. We had a great weekend with some of the fans that came by, uh, you know, for the tailgates, and it was awesome meeting a lot of people. But the Vanny boys did not did not pull through, and and it's – it's it's just interesting. You you have so many so much expectation for a baseball team, and it's so rare for a, for a Corbin coach team to not pull through, and that that's that's kind of where we're at. You know, it's so rare that it's such a, you know, it's bam. It, it just hits you, and it a season's over after a long season. So vibes are definitely low. But man, it, it the 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 Vandy boys on the field were not as successful as our tailgates. I'll say that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the tailgates, I want to get into the vibes during the TDR tailgates Mm. were incredible, astronomical, off the charts vibes at the TDR tailgate. So that's a whole separate category. And we'll get into Candace Story Lee stopping by and being absolutely incredible. Not just stopping by, but stopping by and talking with us for 30, 45 minutes and just answering questions, chatting it up. But we kept saying we were waiting on the other shoe to drop as Vanderbilt fans. And that's what happened this past weekend. I mean, after Friday against EIU, I think all of us were riding high, Mm -hmm. feeling really, really confident going into that Oregon game. And honestly, the problems of this team just reared their ugly head. The inconsistent batting, leaving men stranded on base. It's, It's what we'd kind of seen in stretches throughout the year. You thought during the SEC tournament, maybe they'd figured those things out. But... They reared their ugly heads, and Trevor, I know you want to get into the tailgate, but first, those tailgate vibes were a little bit dampened <laughs> by the performance we saw on Saturday and Sunday.
3: Yeah, if if we only talked about the tailgate, then the doors went undefeated this weekend. We're heading to supers, <laughs> but unfortunately, that is not the case. Um, I, I said in the spaces before it was particularly. I think it was a tire space, and somebody asked a question about football or baseball instead of basketball. Um and I point blank said I that this regional was a cakewalk um and the Vanderbilt would absolutely destroy whoever was in their way on the way to a super um and I don't I mean, that's just like what we've come to expect being mm-hmm. Vanderbilt baseball fans. I know we talk about waiting for the other shoe to drop, but this one feels particularly tough because whenever you you make that remark, waiting for the shoe to drop, typically in the context of Vanderbilt Athletics, it's the not the other baseball. shoe dropping. Yes, the other shoe mm-hmm. dropping is basketball, football, or something with the administration. It's almost never baseball. Mm-hmm. It almost hasn't been baseball in 15 years. You know what I mean? So I think the fact that this time the shoe dropping was baseball uh was very tough to swallow. Um after the EIU game, you knew you knew going into Oregon that, that would be a big game. Um, you thought if you beat Oregon, you're sitting really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll get into Oregon game and all the games and specifically, but you saw a, a great Vanderbilt performance against EIU. Uh, at some points, you saw a great, not a great, a good performance against Oregon. But like Will said, a lot of those problems that we've come to realize throughout the balls, throughout the season, um, reared their ugly head in the Oregon game and were even more pronounced in the Xavier game the following day. So two years back to back, not making it out of the regionals for the, for the Vandy boys is not only does it suck, it's legitimately like almost unprecedented.
2: It, it doesn't happen. It, it, yeah, it rarely has happened. It, ha- it hasn't happened in 14 years, and it was pretty early in, in Tim Corbin's tenure. And, you know, we, we were sitting in the outfield. I think it was the Oregon game, late in the Oregon game. And, yeah, there was definitely some concern about that game kind of late. You know, can Vanderbilt pull this out? I look at Will, and I say – I'm kind of, you know, sitting back, relaxing. I, I look over at Will, and I say, man, it's kind of nice. You know, you, you watch a Vanderbilt baseball team, Tim Corbin team – you never really expect to lose a, a whole lot. I mean you you, you expect mm-hmm. them to find a way to pull through and it feels like it's not happening more often, right? Like like these last yeah. 2 3 years slowly but surely you just you're losing a little bit of faith in 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 the maybe not the talent but just you know the 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 lack of kind of pulling through in the clutch and and just getting the job done. And and Will was like, you know, we both agreed. We said, yeah, you know, we're, we're not worried but it it after yeah. that Oregon game, it was kind of a wow. I mean, just you didn't know what to say.
0: We'll get into the stats. We can get and we'll get into the specifics of this season when we do the recap and give grades, but you hit on it perfectly, Billy. I mean, I, I think there has been a little bit of a different feeling the last couple years since that mm-hmm. 2019 team had arguably the best possible season you can have, making yeah. a clean sweep of all the championships ever since then. And that team was loaded we knew it at the time but yeah. just saying i was i was checking out the roster before this pod but the last two or three years i it's not a numbers thing it's not a i don't even know how to describe it it's, it. A- it's when your guys are up at the plate as a vanderbilt fan you don't have that same confident feeling it's just the i test. don't necessarily know what that is the the at bats feel inconsistent I can't really see a concerted approach of are they an aggressive team are they swinging at anything that they like are they patient when guys are struggling on the mound these Vanderbilt batters are swinging at bad pitches in 2-1 3-1 3-0 2-0 counts ahead of the pitcher and the pitcher is struggling and these guys are swinging at sliders away I I mm-hmm. I don't yeah. understand in those last 3 at bats uh versus Microcosm. Xavier, the- or a microcosm of the problem, exactly. And so I think that's a kind of, I don't want to say poetic, because it was an absolutely terrible ending uh, to a season that seemed to be on the right path of success. I mean, it's crazy the different way that we are talking about this team now, as opposed Mm -hmm. to if you go back and listen to the last podcast. I mean, we were very, very confident going into this regional. So it was definitely a disappointing performance. I wouldn't necessarily say a shocking I don't think that any of us are sitting here saying whoa these bats yeah. just went ice cold all of a yeah. sudden because like we said we'd seen it throughout the year it's just the problems continue to rear their ugly heads of what is the approach at the plate there doesn't seem to be any any consistency and Enrique Bradfield in particular uh just seemed yeah. out of place I mean yeah. I I don't have I don't like calling out specific guys but I mean he's a for sure pro expected to be the best player on this team, and he just didn't have it Mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason. Yeah, he he said that
2: after the game. He was like, I just – I didn't have it. I I wasn't at my best, and, you know, that's life. That happens. Yeah, yeah.
3: and I, and I agree specifically about Enrique Bradfield. Like we said, we, like we understand that these are kids, like these are dudes like our age. And like, actually like a lot of them are like, quite a bit younger than us. I'm old now. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Me and will talk about it. I like, I'm, I feel <laughs> old. I'm 26. And anytime, like I talk about that on Twitter, someone like Arik or Nash is like, Oh my God, you're old. <laughs> um, But yeah, like you don't want to like, like drag him, but like someone specifically like Enrique Bradfield, whenever he is your centerpiece, whenever he is your star catalyst, you, you need him to perform. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's wrong for Vanderbilt baseball or Tim Corbin or fans to expect that and be upset and disappointed whenever that doesn't happen. That's what you expect out of your leaders. Like, if we threw it to football, if AJ Swan has an awful game, yeah, it sucks. He's a kid. They happen. But, like, also, you're like, hey, you're a leader. A you're a centerpiece. You you need to be better in order for this team to win. And I think a better
0: comparison might better. even be like Will Shepard. Yeah. Because AJ Swan is not quite as experienced. He's only going into yeah. his season. Yeah, first that's sophomore a yeah. season. So, if Will Shepard yeah, and had has three, a four drops, drops Swan's getting like, there,
3: though. Yeah, that's a, that's a. Yeah. That's a better comparison, yes. Um, but yeah, I see what you're saying because with Bradfield, but Enrique is even more of a leader than I would say. Well, like Will Shepard yeah. is going to be a captain this year, but like if you had like a quarterback captain of the team, then it's Enrique Bradfield.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Absolutely. you know you have to. He's such a catalyst, and it, it was all season, guys. When when Enrique isn't getting on base. Vanderbilt is typically not winning, and I, I've, we've said that all year long, and it happened at the last two games of the season when you couldn't have it, and it happened. So we're going to get into all of it. Obviously, we're going to recap the regional, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about this whole season. We'll, we'll go through, I don't know about beginning to end, but you know, we'll talk about what, <laughs> we're going to go game by game and recap every game of this Vanderbilt season. Jesus. no
3: we're, we're, we're <laughs> buckle up boys it. we got uh we got another seven, seven hours, hours to go <laughs> have what fun that, rendering man? this billy
2: <laughs> We're not that unhinged on here. But, yeah, I want to kind of talk about uh, some of the articles I thought Joe Rex wrote and Gentry Estes had a couple of really good pieces, um, you know, for for covering uh, for Vanderbilt Baseball. So we'll get into all that. Before we do, though, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, at door underscore report and Instagram, door dot report. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's recap the 2022-23 Vanderbilt baseball season.
1: No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on.
2: All right, guys. We'll start before we kind of dive into the, the season as a whole this weekend. Obviously, Will, you mentioned it. Friday started off well. You beat Eastern Illinois handily 12 to 2. And then comes Saturday, right? Saturday, vibes are high. You know, they're coming off a big win. You got the tailgate roll, and Candace Lee shows up. I think CJ Taylor showed up. Vibes could not have been better. I mean, the vibes were immaculate. But Vanderbilt loses to Oregon 8 to 7. And. Runners in scoring position, it, it, it was awful. Uh, I think in in both losses to Oregon and Xavier, they combined to hit two for 15 with runners in scoring position. Uh, they failed at the plate in countless opportunities against Oregon, and they should have won that game, guys. I mean, th- there's no excuses for losing to that Oregon team. They should have won that game, right? I was talking to um, Andrew Allegretta, the play-by-play guy at Vanderbilt, and you know, it was kind of after that, I was like, whoa, a, a little bit of a, a shock factor there. And you got to come around and turn turn around on uh, on Sunday and try to play a Xavier team that's good. I mean, <laughs> that, I know they're the three seed of the regional. That Xavier team's tough, um, and they lose to Xavier two to one. Four hour lightning delay, which was miserable. I don't know if I've ever gone through anything like that as as a Vanderbilt baseball fan. Also, what do you do? I mean, bottom of the ninth, or t- it was top of the ninth, I guess. Three out, down to your yeah. final three outs, and you're sitting in the dugout. For four hours, I mean, I know they're college kids; they're probably just hanging out, screwing around, having a good time. But man, I mean, hey, as the coaching okay. staff, I mean, that I was just thinking about that, like, kind of eerie, like, just kind of like, like, guys, this is our season, and you know, you kind of thought a little bit back, right, Trev? To was it 2015, the uh, Cal State Fullerton and delay? Yes, they had that to go delay. back. Yeah. They had to go back the next day and and play, and they won, and it helped them out, but. There just wasn't any magic, man. It, it, Sunday felt it was it, vibes were
3: pretty low from the start on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, so, I, I'll I'll yeah. say that. Well, so Sunday, whenever Vanderbilt got out to a a one nothing lead, um, gosh, I don't know why I'm blanking right now. We had Hunter Owen on the mound, didn't we?
2: No, Sam Laboki on L- Sunday. Lebocchi. Sam
3: Laboki. Sorry, we had Sam Laboki. I totally butchered that. Um, he was absolutely gas. For I think he was great, like five or six innings he pitched. Five, and, and I third, leaned over, yeah. and I li- I leaned over, and I told Braden, I was like, "This feels like a game. This was we still one nothing at the moment. I was leaning over, so, mm-hmm. this feels like a game that if Vanderbilt just gets two runs, they can win because mm-hmm. he was so efficient. I think at the I think at the end of five, he was at like. 54 pitches. So he was averaging yeah. a little over 10 pitches an inning. Mm-hmm. That is crazy in today's yeah, eight, five ba- and pitch, baseball period. Inning. But in today's baseball, that is legitimately freaking crazy.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I mean, the bats just, it, the they just didn't pick them up. You have somebody who goes out there and, and throws their all in a do or die situation. The bats just don't pick you up. Um, Only four it hits. Felt like at, and it felt like all four of those. If every time Vanderbilt made contact, it just went to somebody, particularly mm. that third baseman for Xavier, who, Oh my, I, I mean, how a, many apparently, did they have Nolan Arenado playing third base? Like you, he was, he was like absolutely picking everything, but <laughs> I mean, and then you go into the rain delay and just like, what do you do? Like, I'm sure you get in the cages. I'm sure you keep your pitchers mm-hmm. in the little pitching lab underneath first bank, but like four hours, to go three up three down, with the three guys who you're like, if I could pick the any three of the guys lineup. to go yeah. right mm-hmm. now, who I want these guys, and to absolutely give you nothing, legitimately like piss poor at bats, bats. bad, yeah. disgusting bad at bad. And bats, Especially
2: and the is last one yeah. that
3: was one of the most that top of the ninth was one of the more painful moments I've experienced as a Vanderbilt fan because it was you a waited all that time for the, five minutes. Of the stakes were not as high.
0: I, I decided to opt out of attending that game. And Same if they here. slash what I texted Trevor ominously, when they win that game, uh, I would be attending the matchup against Oregon later. The Wilkers. Uh, yeah. Yes. It was no. reminiscent from, obviously I was not there three hours, 59 <laughs> minutes lightning quote-unquote delay, it reminded me a lot of the Temple game from 2014 oh, when you no. went into bad, bad Real Gym, when you waited all that time only to watch a horrendous performance from the team and to get absolutely dominated. Obviously, the stakes were not as high, okay? But as the opening game of the Derek Mason tenure, you felt like you were waiting on something. And you wait all that time, like you said, Trevor, and it, it wasn't just blind. faith. That's what it was. Yeah. Blind faith. It wasn't just the at bats at the end, Billy, you tweeted out. Does this help or hurt? I think, or something (laughs) from the door report, uh, this delay. And I said, it, it absolutely can't hurt. Because it's yeah. not like Vanderbilt had the momentum and this Randle ruined the momentum. If anything, the announcers were talking from the perspective of this is bad for Xavier. Yeah. This is not what you want for Xavier for yeah. the home well, regional what, host. What kind, of, what kind of
2: negated that was they kept their pitcher in, which was kind yeah, of a bad was about move. to say that. Yeah. It was kind of a ballsy, ballsy move from Xavier. Yeah, they let their nuts that, hang. That kid was a stud, man. Man. I mean, just from gassed, the left side nails. looked like Randy John just nails. I mean, yeah. you just, it's like they were, they were just lost at the plate. Credit to Xavier, man. I mean, they, they had the clutch pitcher like Oregon State last year, a ballsy move to throw their ace on the mound in that game seven of the regional. And he just shoved and v- Vandy couldn't respond. They, they just, they had no way to respond. So, yeah, in the two losses, guys. I know we talked about Enrique Bradfield. He was zero for eight against Oregon and Xavier. You're not going to win those games, you know, most of the time. Um, in the two losses, Vanderbilt combined to hit two for fifteen with runners in scoring position and three for twenty one with two outs. The two out number for me was was very noticeable. I mean, anytime there's two outs, it's like you can re- you can pack it in. You know they're not they're not going to keep this rolling against Oregon. They had two hits after the second inning, like that. That was a bit because I mean think about oh. it, guys. We were we were back. They're just kind of sitting there, like we're not. Vandy's not doing anything offense. Like two hits after the second inning, and and you know virtually nothing. Um, but let me go back, guys, to the Xavier game real quick. The seventh inning, and and I think a lot of Vandy people will remember this seventh inning in a bad way. You had a tailor-made double play ball that for at first, first off that was booted by RJ Austin. It was a hard hit ball, hard hit ball. But you're out of the inning like that if, if you field that cleanly. Still tied at one. Um or no, it was it was one nothing. They got a run off of that, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure. So they tie it up into seventh after that play. And then the Phantom hit by pitch. And I tweeted this. I I could not believe my eyes. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I never like blaming coaches, guys. I mean, we I don't think we ever so we'll do that occasionally, but it's never you know. This is all the coaches' fault, and I'm not saying that. But what I am but let saying, alone Tim Corbin
3: of all people, too.
2: Yes, and and I've never done this, but for the life of me, I will never understand why he didn't challenge that hit by pitch. I, that that ball I, didn't. I, hit I,
0: watched, him. I watched. I mean, watched the replay. Yeah. Okay. I, I watched it. I was I was watching it from television, which is a little bit different of an angle. There, and this might be controversial. I don't know. It probably is. There is no effing way they were overturning that call. Zero percent. It but hit he... the hand pad when you. There is one if... specific angle. It will not be inconclusive. And I'm I agree that Tim Corbin should have challenged it. Okay. At that point with the stakes where they were in that game, game, when the hell else are you going to use it? Uh, So even if there's a 0.1% chance, you have to go out there and argue that call. So from that side, it's like, I'm playing both sides here. Tim Corbin was in the wrong and should have, should have challenged that. I don't think it would have been overturned. So ultimately I think Tim Corbin was right, but I understand the gripes from fans is what are you saving it for? This is it, man. This is the moment in the game. We can all sense it, that this is not an offensive explosion from either side and that runs are at an absolute premium. You have to have them take a second look at that.
2: During the rain delay. That's kind
0: of the double-edged sword of that or two sides that don't really add up. But, yeah, that was a mistake from Corbin.
2: During the rain delay, I picked up the phone and called George Plasters. I knew he was at the game, And, and he actually knows a guy that was in the TV truck that's working in the tv truck um and he went in there and asked him he said hey what, what do y'all think about that bit did y'all think that hit him they said no i i don't i mean we from here we didn't think it hit him um but will i totally see what you're saying in that okay even if it doesn't get overturned maybe it does i mean you see it sometimes it does where okay you tried good job we're tied at one still you know and, and patrick yeah. riley he was like no 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 and then what no offense to Bulger, but what was Bulger? I mean, was Bull did maybe Bulger clearly saw it hit him? I don't know. I, I again, we weren't there. We weren't. And maybe if we were the umpire, or we were the catcher. We would we would know clearly. But I just I couldn't wrap my mind around why coach yeah. did not challenge that hit by pitch. I, and again, I think I, that's maybe the moral of it. maybe Xavier uh, still finds a way to get a run that inning. I'm not saying that the game's on his shoulders, but in that moment, I will never understand why he didn't. Never never understand yeah, it.
0: I, I may have overstated the no chance, but like I think it was under a 10% chance of that call being overturned from the television angles and replays that I saw. Yeah, it was a tight call, but I think it did ever so slightly graze his hand pad. And we were talking about this before. The pads and elbow guards and all that equipment <laughs> counting the same. Okay, with the extended, I'm not saying it's a real problem. We were jokingly saying embrace tradition, get rid of elbow guards, fracture your elbows like the old school, be tough, be a (laughs) hard hat and lunch pail guy. Come on, grow up, guys. But on the real, like that thing, that is not the intention of an HBP walk, is slightly grazing the top of a hand pad on the batting glove when he's making a half attempt. At possibly swinging at the ball. That is not the intention of that rule. So the batter looks surprised. I don't think it would have been over. That's a tangent for another day, but I don't think it would have been overturned. I'm in the vast minority, it seems, of Vanderbilt fans
3: and in that area. I think you are. I, I want to make a joke as what Will said, if you were in left field on Saturday night, whenever Vanderbilt was playing Oregon, like you said, there is a specific part of the game to where we are just absolutely railing that baseball should abolish (laughs) uh, hand guards, uh, shoulder guards, shin guards, everything. They should just go into the batter's box with a hat like they used to do in the fifties and just (laughs) embrace it. Um, because it, it was pissing me off. But, I mean, I totally agree. Billy, I'm with you. I So, at the game, it was really weird. It, you see him get signaled that he got hit by a pitch. So, you're just like, dang it, man. Like, mm-hmm. how could you yeah. do that? And But then you check Twitter. I immediately check Twitter because I'm like, all right, well, whatever. I'll see everybody else is pissed off. So, I'll join in on the fun. And everybody, the timeline. Then again, it's an echo chamber. I follow a ton of <laughs> Vanderbilt fans. Are all like that did not hit him. That did not hit him. That did not hit him. And I'm with you, Billy. I, I, no way in hell I thought that hit him. I, but I agree with both. I think you are both right. And I totally agree that even if there's no, there's like a 10% chance that gets overturned, you have to challenge. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not just like it was a hit by a pitch that loads the bases or puts uh, two men on. That gave them the lead and a one run game, game winning run. Like that was that was a scoring play, Tim. You you have to challenge that. And I I asked this to Arya in her spaces and she wasn't sure either. But it, you know in football like whenever, but it's the same way in baseball. In baseball, Major League Baseball to be specific, if there is a challenge, you immediately see the TV camera goes to the manager in the dugout. And the manager is looking around talking and he picks up a phone and there is a staff member who calls in and says, yo, you need to challenge that. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same way in football They, of course, they have headsets on. But whenever there's a close play, there is a person specifically designated to call down to the sideline and be like, hey, throw the flag Now, with that being said, college baseball staffs are by far and away the smallest. A lot of these dudes don't get paid. But my question is, and if you're listening and you know the answer, please tweet us. Is there nobody on the staff who, like, that's part of their job, like, to communicate and be like, hey, like, tell them to put the cans on, like, tell them to review this? That's my question. It seemed like, like there was no sense of urgent. Like no, I, Tim didn't no, even it really was just, step it was, out of the dugout. Like no, there was just, no arguing. On there was there no. was no challenge. It's and like it was
2: passive. Just like oh well, whatever. And, and, and I know maybe it, like maybe it doesn't get overturned, but the effort and the principle is is what we're talking about. Here. And uh, correct of, me
0: if I'm wrong. The NCAA can signal the umpires as well yes so that's 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 the other that's the other thing of this that's the other side of this how the hell did did
2: that not happen
0: in an elimination game so the announcers Uh, were
2: talking about that and, and it we don't know they never said okay it happened or or it didn't happen and maybe it did but if you're the umpire you know go out there and talk to corbin but the other thing is corbin didn't even approach the umpire at all so maybe that's do another thing that reasoning. bothers me yeah like you know you you didn't even get a walk out there and say hey where'd that hit him you know can we look at it i mean i i i was stunned i i was i couldn't it, believe yeah the,
0: that was that's the big thing because more than challenging is go out and talk to the umpire and at least talk the yeah. ncaa yeah. central office time to register there was a controversial play and if so if it is enough to actually buzz down to the umpire but if you just move on to the next pitch and it's just kind of dead silence there's no time for them to investigate no. that and buzz the umpire there's a lot exactly. of games going on you just so have that to was plant the, the other seed. Part of it. yeah you
3: have to plant the seed and the mind even if he didn't necessarily challenge it jesus christ him take two steps on the stairs just walk up the step you don't even have to really leave the dugout step on the stairs and be like hey you sure mm-hmm. about that? Make them think about it. That that play is too big. And yeah, too big too, in the moment. Too consequential to not like just go out and be like, "Hey, like, are you sure? Like, where do you think that hit him? Did you hear a sound? Like, come on." I think like, if you're okay. a baseball you're still coach,
2: I think if you're a baseball coach and you see it a lot where college baseball coaches now are challenging a lot more plays, even if it's, you know, even if it's not that close. But if it's remotely close, challenge it. I mean, what's it going to hurt? It, it's not going to hurt you. I saw a lot of challenges that were overturned this weekend, you know, and coaches go out there. I was watching the Penn, um, you don't lose Penn a time Southern out. Miss game. Yeah, their coach was. This is football. You don't lose a time. There's no punishment
3: if it is if it's wrong. Exactly.
2: The Penn coach I thought was really good about challenging and talking to the umpire and just you know getting an explanation. We never even got an explanation. We don't. I mean, (laughs) that's the sad part of this, and it kind of goes along the theme Mm. of the weekend, right? Oh well, you know it. It happened. Whatever. You know that sort of passive attitude. This um, weekend
3: was being lackadaisical killed. Vanderbilt baseball this weekend yeah I totally agree I think that like you said that specific hit by not even the hit by a pitch but just the lack of reaction from Tim Corbin from the umpires that like lackadaisical attitude like you said earlier to use the word microcosm was a microcosm of what this weekend was of course outside of Friday because we haven't Mm -hmm. even talked about Saturday yet and just I mean you could say the same thing Saturday. Then again, like they were hitting the ball, and I think a lot of that was just the Babbitt gods weren't with Vanderbilt, and they weren't just <laughs> finding the gaps. But like yeah. letting Ryan Ginther go out there in a tie ball game fresh, his first, his first game back, and you're like,
2: mm-hmm.
3: all right, here we're going to go. Like, are we sure? Like, we don't want to think about this. Like, what are – you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, it's almost like the the pitching injuries this was the weekend where it really cost them, you know. And if it wasn't yeah. this weekend, it was probably going to be this weekend if they made it to a super. It's just you know, when you're when you I'm not saying they were some sort of utterly depleted pitching staff because they still had depth and and I thought Grayson Moore pitched well. You know, they still had some guys they could throw out there, but when your ace is hurt, when Hunter Owen is not right. He was not right Saturday. And I I he just did not look 100%. It's just tough. This is baseball, and it's it will always. It was always the pitching. It will always be built around pitching. And I know it's an offensive game now, but if you don't have the your horse is there, it's hard, right? If your horse I mean, doesn't I, show up, I just think race,
0: really realistically, we it's it's easier to look back now. I mean, you don't want to get you don't want to make definitive statements of like this team not being there. Or the but I remember Trevor the panic meter was pretty high before they made the run in the SEC tournament. Oh, yeah. I think that kind of put a yeah. put a paste it was healing a big gauze yeah over the wounds of this season that we had yeah. seen, and there were a lot of problems that we saw. And pitching was just a part of it. The like Billy, you said that it's all about pitching. It's all about that. That wasn't the problem in the Xavier game,
3: and no, that wasn't no. the
0: problem in the game that got them eliminated. And You know, it's baseball. Some days the bats just aren't making contact and it is what it is. The baseball gods are not smiling down upon you, but that seemed to happen a lot this year. And Mm -hmm. most of the time during the regular season, it was on the road. So we were very confident that this team could consistently produce runs at home. And for whatever reason against Xavier on Sunday, it just, you never felt the urgency of guys. This is it. Like this is Oregon. Really too. We're, we're yeah we're six outs away from the season being over in the Oregon game we're 6-9 outs away from being basically put into a terrible spot where we have to win three straight games you just mm-hmm. there there's a very fine line between confidence and this program has been there and done this before there's no panic in this program and urgency and urgency is not panic and you just never felt that intensity and that's easy to say now that the season's over. If they were to come back and and hit a walk off home run in the Oregon game, we might be talking about the confidence as a positive factor, but it didn't happen this year. The clutch plays didn't happen. You fell a st- you fell a run short twice. So it's been three years in a row that we've seen this mm-hmm. and it's
3: time to adapt. It is. Yeah, I think I I think this weekend the the thing that that upset me the most was definitely the bats because like the pitching against Oregon wasn't great, but really whenever Grayson, uh, I always get them mixed up. Grayson Moore, Grayson Carter, whichever Grayson came in that Saturday game legitimately Moore. saved Grayson Moore. Whenever Grayson Moore came in, you kind of, after that game, were looking towards the Sunday game and you were like, Hey, Grayson put us in a really, really good position. Even though we're going to have to possibly play a doubleheader and win three straight, he came out that Saturday night and put Vanderbilt in a really, really awesome position to where they still had Labokey. They still had Maldo. So, really, and if it wasn't for that Davis-Diaz, or it wasn't Davis-Diaz. Davis-Diaz was um, Eastern Illinois, the RJ Shrek home run Mm -hmm. against Oregon. Vanderbilt has... It was RJ Shrek against Oregon. It was Maldonado, yes. wasn't it? No.
2: So RJ hit one earlier and then Maldo hit yes. one late. Maldo hit the one. Yes. In the,
3: Maldo hit the three run. To
2: make it 8 7. Maldo hit the two run homer late run. to make it 8 7. Yeah.
3: Yes. But like in those moments, you're like, and into like, you're like, okay, 8 7. Like the bats clearly showed up. And you're like, maybe I'm just being nitpicky. Yeah. But also that game before, Oregon used six pitchers. Yeah it's not like they're going into the Vanderbilt game with like a bunch of fresh arms. Like they really use some guys and sort of set you up to be in a really good position to really go deep into their pen. And you yeah. just couldn't freaking do it. And you also yeah. say eight, seven, it, it sounds like, ah, oh,
0: the offense, you know, they did their part, but they had nine men left on base. Yep. The yeah. timely hitting was not there in the Oregon game. So yep. even though they put up seven runs, I wouldn't say that anybody on that team, afterwards was like that was a hell of an offensive performance we produced exactly how we wanted to they should have put up 13 14 runs in that game and and won easily so it was a disappointing offensive performance after the eiu game even though they put up seven runs against oregon
2: yeah credit credit to oregon man i mean that's a good team they'll probably be in omaha they get they get oral roberts at home now up in eugene and that that's another part of this guy's like
3: that hurts because it was set up so nice to get to Omaha, man. It, it, it's
2: like the the baseball gods gave Vanderbilt a Christmas gift and was like, Hey, here's your trip to Omaha. You you got your ticket. And I know it's never that easy. It never is. You, you know, you gotta it's always hard to get to Omaha, but they were on the man, more manageable side of the bracket, and this was a great, great opportunity for Vanderbilt. Um and I think that plays into this, guys. I think a little bit of it is, okay, you know, we like our draw. We're at home. you know we we've got a good pac twelve team coming in. Let's just get by this regional, you know, and then we've got a home super. It, it's just like it's almost like it was good. They were gonna let it happen, you know, instead of go out there and do it. you know, I, and i I could be wrong I could be reading too much into it there, but that that was my feeling. It, it, i. It, being at the game, especially in the Oregon game, I wasn't there for versus Xavier. I'm sure you felt it against Xavier, Trev, but I mean, the pressure, I could feel a little bit of pressure late in that that Oregon game, in the stadium, yeah. the players, the at-bats. You saw a lot the Xavier of Xavier game was
3: suffocating.
2: Yeah. You, you, you saw a lot of just kind of lazy fly ball outs where, yeah. you know, they would get it to the track, but you could tell, you know, they were, they were going for it all on a bunch of those swings. You know, I I mean,
3: I think that was that's a great point. Like, I think all weekend Vanderbilt, I and I don't want to, I don't want to single anybody out, but RJ Austin, dear God, am I the only one that feels like at every plate appearance, like he was taking these absolutely mammoth hacks, mm -hmm. like he was like, I I got so frustrated. I think it was during the Oregon game one plate appearance, he was just swinging stuff in the dirt, just golf swings, trying to lift stuff, and I'm just like. RJ, just freaking get on. Like, he's not throwing you a strike, my guy. Like, don't take that bat off your shoulder until you get something that you like. Like, Vanderbilt was never really in, like, a super, like, tough pressure point to where, like, hey, like, we need this one swing right now. We need this one swing right now. Like, granted that that he could have tied the game, but, like, dear God, my guy, just get on base. Just focus on
2: getting on base. And that goes with the approach. I was watching, I I love this Penn team. I know I keep bringing up Penn, but I was watching them in their regional, a lot of their regional. Their at-bats were so fundamentally sound. They would hit opposite field. They had two-strike approaches. They were gritty. They were just, anyway, let's get on base. And that's what the postseason is about. Get on base. Move Mm -hmm. runners. Hit the ball the other way. Be gritty. Two-strike approaches. I just didn't see a whole lot of that from Vandy. I saw a lot of we 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 we're, we're stronger than you we're going to hit the ball out of our ballpark and we're going to overpower you and i just didn't see that aggressive gritty attitude of let's hit it the other way you know let's get let if they're shifting us let's let's hit it down that third baseline like let's let's get on anyway, anyhow and late in that Oregon game i just felt like and we saw we all saw it they're swinging for the fences guys and again that a lot of players do that like god forbid you got to you got to get a run, but it's almost like they were forgetting about. Hey, let's get a couple runners on. Maybe hit a a pitch oppo, move a runner, steal a base. It's like, I don't know. It's like they lost their identity against Oregon, and Oregon they was like, oh, Oregon ahead, was Billy. the better offensive team. I, I mean, I, just like Oregon batting yeah, average I'll wise. I that. mean, yeah, they raked. So I think that got into yeah. Vanderbilt's head a little bit. Like, uh oh, they. They can really hit the ball now. Like like this this Oregon team is legit. And I think it got into Vandy's head a little bit. So, um, but yeah, guys, the approach, I, I like what you said well about the approach. And you just I didn't see a whole lot of two strike approach. Um, and anybody that isn't aware of that, it's where you typically choke up, you scoot up in the box, you get closer to home plate, and you kind of if it's inside, you let it hit you, you you foul it off, you battle. I just I didn't see a ton of competitive at bats against Oregon and Xavier. I I
0: think what you're hitting on I don't necessarily like love small ball in college baseball specifically because I think pitchers make a lot of mistakes.
2: It's tough to live on. Yeah. If
0: but if you were a team like Vanderbilt, they looked like they were a home run power base. Yeah, and team, they're not the way they were at at the plate and. Maybe they Mm -hmm. were the more powerful team compared to Oregon, Xavier, and EIU, but that's not the Vanderbilt team we saw this year. 76 Mm -hmm. home runs as a team, one guy in R.J. Shrek in double-digit home runs. I think they were, what, 13th out of 14 Mm -hmm. in the SEC. Mm -hmm. The power was never there this season, and that's so important in modern college baseball, and it never felt like this team accepted that identity Uh, Once they got into SEC play, even though they did very well, I mean, they were number four in a very talented Southeastern Conference. That's why this season is so tough to evaluate right now, because everything leading up to this regional would make you think that they rolled through their host regional and will now be playing in a Super Regional, but it didn't happen. So what went wrong during the regular season with this team? What was the problem? Why did this happen? I mean, I think it jumps out at you immediately looking at the team stats. I I don't think it was necessarily pitching. I don't think it was necessarily the overall batting average. This team didn't have pop. This team didn't have the power in modern college baseball, and they had warning track power. And that's what happened a lot late in that Oregon game is you had a lot of guys hit balls to the warning track, and that's how that Oregon game ended, losing by one,
2: a lot of warning track power in the lineup. And Gentry yeah, I, Gentry I, Estes, real quick, Gentry Estes said yeah, this in, in in a really good piece. He said, This Vandy team punched above their weight all year. And that hit me. I said, I completely agree. They punched above their weight. They won nineteen SEC games. <laughs> like that you look mm-hmm. at this offense, you're like, I mean, you know, you watch this offense for a couple of games. I mean, maybe 14, 15 SEC wins. You know, they, they had solid pitching. They just they punched above their weight, guys. And I know that's that's kind of no Vandy fan wants to hear that right now. But mm-hmm. you know that's kind of a microcosm of okay, they 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 hit. You know, I don't know if they peaked too soon, but after that SEC tournament, it was like, man, can they do it again? Like, like you know, you get to post it another tournament. You know, and I could say they're tired, but I don't know. It, it's tough, Trevor, yeah. Any other? Uh, I know we got a lot more to get to with with a little bit of the season. I want to get touch on a little a little bit of these article pieces yeah. but any other in, final thoughts in closing
3: I just I Billy I totally agree with what you said about Vanderbilt's offensive approach um I, th- nobody through this lineup except for RJ Shrek has legitimate uh major league I don't even know if RJ Shrek really has major league baseball power um I I actually probably don't think he does now that I think about it but the only one that had power in this lineup really was Shrek. Like you didn't have um, these guys that would just hit, but you didn't have a JJ Blade in your lineup really. Or an Austin Martin. Or an Austin Martin. I think the way that Vanderbilt won a lot of their games this year, like you said, I totally agree. I think they punched above their weight class, but I think they won these ball games by being in a lot of, a lot of instances like that traditional, really gritty, small ball Tim Corbin team doing a little I'm things. with Will I'm not big on bunting particularly when it comes to Major League Baseball because statistically speaking a bunt is a guaranteed out that's why Major League Baseball teams don't do it now in college baseball where you have guys who aren't as defensively sound as guys in, are in the Major League you can record some quality you can get hits. Off bunts in base in college baseball, especially when the shift is not banned. So, in order to win, whenever you don't have guys who have legitimate power, I mean you have RJ Shrek, Maldo, a lot of Tontai power, RJ Austin flashed a little bit. But just get on base, take walks, don't swing at the first pitch you see. Like make the pitcher work, make him throw you strikes, get on base and be a base stealing merchant, create havoc on the base paths. Not everything has to be – and I'm a guy who who loves analytics. Major League Baseball analytics say, yeah, get that launch angle up and absolutely swing for the fences. Who cares about strikeouts because home runs win ball games. That's not how it is in college baseball. And mm-hmm. so I think you have to play that sort of old school kind of grinded out baseball game to where you're like, okay, we're going to bunt. We're going to steal. We're going to single. We're going to go oppa. We're going to make you make errors because we're so crazy on the bases. Saturday on the uh, on the field was tough
2: but off the field was was awesome the, the tailgate before was phenomenal friday the tailgate was great uh, we had a lot of people show up i mean some students came out some fans that we had never met came out we got to you know put a face to a name even if we don't remember their name <laughs> you know after 10 15 minutes but no it was great it was great had music had nice had some good food and um it was fun guys it was great to meet people that we hadn't met but they'd been listening for a year you know even going back maybe two years you know um that have kind of been with us um and have interacted with us on Twitter um and Candace Lee I mean for her to show up I tweet I made sure I tweeted this in the wording that I that that would be good enough for her it was uh your AD would never your your AD <laughs> would never show up to a tailgate and stay there for what was it twenty minutes, something like I don't more. know how long? More? Maybe yeah,
3: forty-five.
0: She Man. was there for a while, and the part that uh, Trevor, I don't remember if I was talking to you about it or who I was talking to about it, but she had kind of she had one photographer, and she had somebody else that was like obviously kind of helping her move along throughout her day maybe like her an schedule. assistant, type, yeah, because yeah. she was like hosting recruits prior to stopping by, and she didn't just she stop; by, she was there minimum of thirty minutes. Uh, probably closer That's to 45 awesome. and the funniest part is the guy that was like trying to move her along was clearly had somebody on the other end of his radio like come on like we need Candace <laughs> wherever she's supposed to be and he was like kind of signaling and she was like wait <laughs> I'm talking over here and she was just kind of bullshitting with us talking about like the new stadium Shopping upgrades up. and we were like they're gonna be awesome and she was like yeah they are and we were like we need to get AC in memorial and she was like i know but it's <laughs> but it's way more complicated than you think and then it was the awesome. next day on sunday that problem really represented itself right in her face so <laughs> AC in memorial candice like we mentioned but no she you can feel with how she talks about vanderbilt it's different how mm-hmm. she she's invested when you bring up things that you're thinking about to her she didn't like avoid Whatever mm-hmm. question you were asking, she was like, "We've been thinking about that, and we've been doing X, Y, Z, but we ran into this problem." She was probably telling us too much information. And <laughs> I, I was honestly, about I, to say, yeah, "I think nah. she almost accidentally revealed like the schedule, the beginning the of basketball the schedule. <laughs> basketball schedule, and caught <laughs> yes. herself like right DDR before shoot. she did it." She asked us, like, it was "Has awesome. this been released yet?" And we were like,
3: uh, I "No, I go say, or she whatever." Was, was. She was talking about it, and I go, "Wait." has this been released yet? And she's like, oh. And she stopped and I was like, dang it, I ruined it. <laughs> that was it.
2: One of y'all but, should man, have, she like, followed her, like, as she's talking, like tweeting, like breaking. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> That's but awesome. That
0: was just a precursor to what the football tailgates are going to be like. Me mm. and Trevor have made quite a few references to it on Twitter and we will continue to make references to it throughout the summer. That Hawaii tailgate is going to be absolutely electric Magical. we are going to have special hawaiian chicken be prepared everyone come one <laughs> oh, come on. Wow. uh if these if this was the crowd that we had get together for a vanderbilt baseball regional on friday afternoon and on saturday in the heat football tailgates are going to be an absolute movie and i cannot wait for the fall counting down the days it's chris Boyd days away right boys now, 80 we're 80 we're days. days away And I'm absolutely fired up and cannot wait. We had the dry run Miller on the grill whipping up some food over there for us. We had the tailgates. (laughs) The tunes were booming. And too bad Billy decided he had more important things to do. And could not join us. I need on to get Saturday. my priorities straight. He needs to get his priorities in order and figure out what's <laughs> important to him. I know, Trevor, you have the same thoughts, and we're not gonna let Billy address uh, any reason why he wasn't there. He just doesn't care enough. Uh that's no. why he did not attend on Saturday. Is, so is on Billy you,
3: Derek a fraud? He <laughs> I
0: mean, you're saying. Doesn't care.
2: Will Will was visibly Will was like visibly mad at me when I got to the seat at the in the outfield. <laughs> he was like staring at me for like 10 seconds. I, I felt bad. I I was driving from Berkeley curfewsboro i watched tennessee beat or take the lead over clemson so the vibes weren't great driving over there but i got to, i got to the tailgate spot nobody was there and i was like man they had a good time they, they had a good time
0: that's
3: <laughs> it awesome was, it was awesome yeah like like billy said getting to meet all you guys was so cool uh y'all really do like make the show special and like engaging with you guys like not only on the internet but like meeting you guys in person i was telling billy and will it's so wild to like finally meet people who you've just been tweeting at for years. (laughs) And you're like, Oh yeah, you're, you're like a real person. And like, you're here in the flesh. And so that's super cool. You guys are awesome. We love meeting with you guys. We're, we're very happy that you guys enjoy the show. I also, Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was electric. I know where you're about to go now. And I want to address this. this. I also
2: heard that CJ Taylor made an appearance. Am I right? And CJ
3: Taylor made an appearance and Scott, Billy's brother almost (laughs) killed C.J. Taylor. So we'll tell the fans at home what what almost happened to our star football player at the TDR tailgate.
0: (laughs) I called my dad when I got back. From, it was bad it almost yeah bad. it was yeah it was almost really bad like there was almost an espn headline about like we this. almost made the news 100 percent. cj taylor was we were set up across from the football practice field and and facility and so we saw cj taylor walking across on the other side of the road on the sidewalk and scott decided hey we were gonna call and be like cj what's up and he like kind of waved at us And uh, pointed at us. And then Scott was like, waved him over, like, come on over. And so Uh CJ obliged as the fan appreciating player, great player that he is. (laughs) And so there was a Greyhound bus, one of those huge team buses. Oh, it was a bus. Sitting in the middle, sitting in the middle turn lane. Okay. Just parked with its hazard lights on. CJ Taylor was waiting behind that bus and looked one way and then, came across the road well there was a bmw suv absolutely flying down the road oh, and it gosh. slammed on its brakes within two feet of breaking both of cj taylor's legs and he like jumped back <laughs> like looked around and all of us just went dead fucking silent we we could not believe <laughs> you could hear that band. we almost we almost just injured not just a vanderbilt football player the probably vanderbilt. the best vanderbilt football player on the roster and definitely the most recognizable <laughs> defensive player and a, probably the most key piece of that clarkley defense in the upcoming season so clark we avoided a tragedy our deepest apology cj appreciate you walking across the street and joining us but never ever do that again avoid streets at all costs stay on the sidewalk because my heart almost stopped that's it why was, it
3: was almost
2: really bad. that's why they're closed that's why they're shutting down Jess Neely that,
3: that that's it, <laughs> yes they yeah, they need to do it sooner, but hey, also shout out to our uh, our first team all SEC uh Wesley Schilling came yes. by mm-hmm. to the tailgate Friday and Saturday. so he came by absolutely wonderful guy cannot speak more highly of him. Stood there for 30, 40 minutes before he had to go to practice, chit-chatted with us, asked us or answered all of our questions Um, both times, Friday and Saturday. Legitimately like all-time nice guy. He was great. Also, we also, also had a stop
0: from Coach Blazik as well, yeah. giving us all high fives across uh, when they were driving the recruits by on the golf carts. So I yeah. think one golf cart did that, and then they were like, this isn't a bad look for the brand (laughs) let's drive them all by let's get a little cheer for each of them then blazik stopped the cart and came by and high-fived all of us but everybody we interacted with from vanderbilt university candace story lee any of the coaching staff the couple players that stopped by absolutely fantastic everybody outside of the actual baseball it was a fantastic weekend
2: yeah, everybody was was in good moods, happy. I mean, the vibes were good for the tailgates and also shout out to Ethan Robinson, Fandy baseball commit. Actually played at DC. He DCA. came by, yeah. Him and his dad came by. got to talk to them huge. for a little
3: bit. So so tall. Yeah, big. He thinks like 6'4, 6'5. He um, literally looks like like a oak tree. Yeah, like he he's... came to the tailgate and, and I'm like, "Oh my god." I'm like <laughs> He is huge
2: yeah a lot of people uh, that came by that that we had never met before, but were fans of the pod. so it was it was good to to meet everybody and and uh, chop it up a little bit. But on the field as as we mentioned, it wasn't great over the weekend. obviously back to back seasons ending in a regional loss for the first time since two thousand and nine. Let's talk about where this this program is at. I think we've you know we we've sort of hashed out a lot of the season. I do want to get to this Tim Corbin post game quote. He said, you know, our health was challenged all year. We know that, right? We, we all know that. We're aware of that. But I'm not going to sit here and talk about that. We did the best we possibly could. It was a good year. But you get to this point right here, you're hosting a regional at home. The kids and all of us, you know, our intentions are to move to a super regional. So I, I liked how he mentioned their health was challenged all year because it was. I mean, I think any other program that loses their ace and their second best pitcher for a majority of the season probably folds up the tent and, you know, may not even host a regional, you know, who knows? Like, I mean, they, I do believe that quote, they did the best they could. Now, obviously you want to get out of a regional and that's, it's, it's, you can obviously argue that, but that's the fact of the matter, right? The horses weren't in the Mm -hmm. barn when you needed them. Um, But also Joe Rex wrote, I thought had a really good article after the game, um, you know, and he had written an article about uh, some of Maggie Corbin's comments uh, about you know kind of where the program's at and, and a serious conversation her, her and Tim had after last season. And here's what Joe said in his article. He said, it's worth wondering at the end of every season now how seriously hit Tim he'll consider retiring. He and his wife Maggie had real talks about it last season. He did not sound like a coach pre- preparing to move on to something else after Sunday's loss. He did sound emotionally spent when asked about the future of the program. And I I feel that wholeheartedly, right? And I I watched the the post game interview. He had a lot of questions, not about the the loss to Xavier, but about the future of the program and where they're going. And that wears on you, like that that like as a head coach that that can wear on you. It will wear on you. Um, but you guys, knowing Tim Corbin, I I don't think he would go out on a regional loss at home. Like, I, I just I, – I I can't wrap my head around that. Obviously, I'm not saying he's retiring anytime soon. But I think after the way this season ended, back-to-back regional losses for the first time since the early years, it's starting to pop into your head a little bit. Now, I don't think it's it's sound the sirens, you know, Tim Corbin is thinking about moving on, but you never know, right? I think the bottom line here is Vandy has to bring in – better, more explosive hitters, offensive talent, as you mentioned, Trev. There's just, there hasn't been enough of that all season. There hasn't been enough of that the past two or three years. And no, Vanderbilt baseball is not dying. Right, Corbin, I don't think he's retiring anytime soon. Their talent level has dipped a little bit, but they're still an elite baseball program. Right, Carter mm-hmm. Holton and Devin Futrell are both back next season. The key will be staying healthy. So, what do you guys think? I know y'all probably I don't know if y'all were able to read Joe Rexroad's article uh, in the interview with Maggie and then the post game, but Gentry Estes also said in his article, Vanderbilt is no longer that program capable of overwhelming the opponent with waves of elite big time type talent, big league talent. So again, you look at those, where is Vanderbilt baseball right now and and what does the future look like because Everybody's asking that question. Everybody's wondering where they're at
3: um, after a season like this. Yeah, I think Vanderbilt is still an elite baseball program. Are they the program they were during the 2010s? I don't know. I mean, they only you say they only won two national titles in the span of 10 years, but that's very impressive. And we're barely into the 2020s. I have a question for you two. And Billy, I want to, we talked about this before we started. Billy, I want to hear what you have to say about this. Because as we know, Tim Corbin has been, I don't want to say anti collective and anti portal, but I, you might be able to remember the specific quote more better than I can. He specifically said something along the lines of like, he really doesn't care for collectives like Vanderbilt Mm -hmm. will not pay players like that. That's just not how Vanderbilt baseball rolls. I am of the opinion and I get, I get what he's saying. Vanderbilt baseball is a brand that is head and shoulders above just about every other college baseball program. Kids want to play for Vanderbilt regardless. With that being said, I think we are in, we are at a point in college baseball to where it is adapt or die and i think tim corbin is going to have to start utilizing nil collective money now with that being said does collective money really matter to a kid like mckelvane who is coming in who's going to be a mlb pick probably not but does it matter to a kid and the transfer portal who could maybe be a good bat for you whenever you need some power hitters. Could it be a guy, could it matter to a guy who is an an elite, maybe center field glove, especially when you have question marks going in the next season's outfield? Possibly. So I think it's adapt or die. I get what Tim's saying. I get he's as old school as it comes, but you're going to have to start dipping into the portal more than just RJ Shrek and uh, Javier Vaz, you're going to have to start dipping into the NIL collective more. I want to hear what you
2: think about that. I I agree because, you know, you, you look at that, ba- look at the basketball program, like look at what they just did for Tyron Lawrence and and look how the collective just stepped up for him. Vanderbilt has that capability. Vanderbilt mm-hmm. can do that right now with baseball. How different is it? I, I again, I don't I don't maybe it's a little bit different but at the same time i think if it's a, if if you have a transfer portal player that is looking at a vanderbilt uh you know maybe a virginia maybe a couple other sec schools and they're they're looking for some money they're they're looking they're looking to maybe make some money I, you might win a battle like that over a transfer mm-hmm. portal kid i don't think it means as much for a recruit but and again, I think it's a little bit different with baseball. And Vanderbilt is still yeah. a program. I don't think they they truly have to rely on that in mm-hmm. in 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 a way that Stackhouse might have had to with Tyron Lawrence and maybe some yeah. of the other guys. Sort of in but, his totality. Yeah, but at the end of the day, the portal is a little bit more important to me. Not even nil, right? You you have to hit on some portal bats this year, right? And mm-hmm. I I was talking you know behind the scenes with a guy. A couple of days ago, and you know, I was talking about how, how did they not bring in a couple more portal guys? And you know, he told me he said a lot of them, you know, they they were either it was either draft or or Vandy or they're they're transferring to Vandy, and a lot of them landed in the draft. For RJ, he didn't like he didn't even really get he didn't get drafted, so he ended up coming to Vanderbilt. So the draft plays such a role in baseball, yeah. where if they if they like their slot, a lot of them are going, right? And, and yeah. that that's still a problem with Vanderbilt. They didn't hit on on many of their pitchers, yeah. right? They only had three freshman pitchers coming in.
3: Yeah. Right? And, and so they're not going to hit on that, McElvain this off season either. Maybe he's going to get drafted.
2: He'll get drafted. But again, he's a local kid. Maybe they hit on him. Maybe they don't. Um, but that, it's, it's sort of a luck of the draw type thing with baseball. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, you know, we're recruiting him, but I think that's the bigger question. Does Vandy need to change their recruiting style? If you, obviously you want to get, you want to bring in the best talent, But if you know a kid's getting drafted in the top ten, more times than not, he's not coming to your school. Like I, I I think it's more of recruiting style and portal guys. I don't know how I don't think NIL play will play a huge role with Vanderbilt um, in 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 baseball. I I don't. But transfer portal and recruiting, you've you've got to find ways to. And again, if if he's taken in the in the top ten in the draft, you can't do much about that. You just, you can't. And if they like their slot, they're going. So that that's kind of where I'm at. It's it's a little luck of the draw, but maybe shift your recruiting. But it's such, it's a tough, it's
3: a tough deal with, with, with the draft. I've got a follow-up to that specifically. And I don't want to get too off topic, but I think you hit on something, particularly with Vanderbilt is going to lose to the draft most times. It just is what it is. With that being said, <sighs> And I I don't I don't want to hate I don't want to I don't want this to come off like I don't want Vanderbilt to go after like the top, like the cream of the crop talent, but why go after a, a Max Clark when you know he's going to be the he's projected to be the number one overall draft pick? Mm-hmm. Why offer a scholarship to Drew Jones? Like why offer a scholarship to Lawler two drafts ago? Like I, like Jordan Lawler? I just. If you know, and with the whole Jordan Lawler thing, like I his agent put out smoke that like if he doesn't go top seven, he would go to school, but that's just that's just playing the draft. why put so much effort into these kids when you know you have like such a small pool of chance of getting them?
2: And I don't want to downgrade Vanderbilt baseball right now, but the appeal of Vanderbilt baseball is not as strong as it was 10, 15 years ago when okay. tim corbin was early you know still early in the build you know okay they may have a, a national title under their belt but you know they're still elite you know back 10 15 years ago not saying they're not elite now but i just don't think the appeal is as as strong and i i mm-hmm. I, I could that could be disagreed with um and that that's another point i don't think there. it's
0: anything i like a lot of this is being hit on by opposing fans. And I mean this in a non-negative way, because I think Tim Corbin and Vanderbilt played a very large part in this and their dominance in the 2010s woke up the rest of the sec and a lot of teams across the country. But the popularity of college baseball has definitely seen an uptick Mm -hmm. and in the last 15, 20 years. And especially I think Vanderbilt had a lot to do with that in schools, putting resources into baseball has become Mm. a lot more common Vanderbilt got on the map because they had the, whatever they call it, the pitching room where they used Mm -hmm. analytics of arm speed and and speed off the bat. That's commonplace. Now across the country, teams copied and programs copied what Vanderbilt was doing. And now there's Vanderbilt still one of the top dogs. I mean, baseball is so different. You guys said, because, they get to choose between attending school and they get to see where they landed in the MLB draft and nine times out of 10, the program, if a guy is drafted in the first round or anywhere in the top is going to lose out to the guaranteed money that those MLB teams can provide. And no NIL collective in baseball is even mm-hmm. going to approach uh, what, what is being offered by the MLB. I just don't see, I, I know there's like 10 different topics that y'all hit on. I don't see an IL playing any factor or any role in baseball. I, I don't even think that that's remotely a thing. Um, I would be very surprised if guys are receiving large amounts of NIL money at any program in any part of the country for baseball. There's no marketable, marketable value in college baseball players. It's so different. But the transfer portal, man. that's yeah. Tim Corbin has mm-hmm. to adopt the transfer portal and bring in multiple guys because – the equity of talent across the country is getting closer and closer. And I think that in baseball, that's prevalent, especially because the margin between a one seed and a four seed in the regional is already it's so small. small. It's already so small in baseball. And now you're seeing these guys transfer around and kind of even out because there's only nine spots in that lineup and guys are not going to want to sit uh, behind for a couple of years at these mediocre programs. So it it's, it's a combination of things. Schools are putting resources into their program. So there's more to compete against and you can no longer waste time and resources with your limited staff recruiting guys like drew Jones. I mm-hmm. mean that, that guy was never coming, And yeah. you see that in the current class, you're just wasting time and wasting resources. And that's another spot on this roster that could be filled by a usable, talented bat. That's now basically wasted and having to be filled last second. So there's just some adjustments that have to be made. I think Vanderbilt hasn't fallen off that top tier of recognizable college baseball programs. I think they're still in the top five or still the top dog, uh, depending on how you're referencing that. But, I mean, the competition's incoming. I mean, you yeah. you don't stay at the top of the mountain for long in college athletics because schools are coming with resources and a new commitment to college baseball. And I think that's what has kind of shaken uh, Vanderbilt is the king of college baseball.
2: Yeah. We, we we started talking about this, Will, a little bit last year after the Oregon State regional loss up in um, Corvallis, but I didn't really commit to it. But I they're at a crossroads now. Like like th- this program is at a real crossroads of okay, I absolutely agree. How do we want to go about our business now? Mm-hmm. Right? Are are we gonna be are are we gonna stay true to our values, you know, since we since Corbin got there? And just keep on keeping on, keep plowing. You know, maybe some people call it be stay stubborn, or are we gonna are we gonna adapt like like a Nick Saban did, and and stayed strong and, and something and,
0: nobody said. Does Tim Corbin seem like the kind of guy that's gonna retire at sixty one? No, like and, and I, like that's yeah. what I'm getting at is he's not he's not seventy eight years old. Like go I back, know it's stubborn old to... man, quote unquote, but like he's not eighty go like, back to his he, go back to his
2: go back to his viral quote where the, I think it was right after covid he goes this
3: shit means too much to me <laughs> yeah
2: I, what did he say he's like this is this is what I do this shit means a lot to me like he's not retiring anytime I mean come on now maybe in the next six seven eight years but not the next two or three I mean come on like, let, let, let's be real. He's invested too much. Too many players have invested too much into this program. They Hell, they just released renderings of the new Hawkins field. I mean, you, you don't think he wants to stay for that? I mean, come like, let's get real about that. I like that point, Will. But again, I, I think they're at a crossroads in that, you know, are we really going to give our all to try to hit on some of these portal guys, or are we going to trust our development and just ride it out? Because injuries played a part. I mean, let's face it. If, if Holton and Owen are healthy all year, this is a super regional slash Omaha team. I I, I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. Hunter Owen was not 100% when he went back in. Hell, Ginther got injured in the bullpen in Hoover. Like, they it, it was just – and, again, I don't think this is anything philosophy-wise. Like, they just – they hit the injury bug. And it's rare. It doesn't happen for – I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's it, – it that doesn't, doesn't usually happen at Vanderbilt. I think this was a rare year of a little bit of bad luck. Obviously, not as much hitting talent, but the injuries cost them, right? And that's I'm not that's not an excuse. It's just that's that that was some of the road that was a roadblock out there for this team, and you know they they got by with 19 SEC wins. They got to 42 wins without their two best pitchers for most of the year. Um, and again, I'm not trying to make excuses, but you know anybody saying this team is dying. This, this program is depleting. This team is in a decline. I, I just, I can't buy that. I, I just, I'm not, I mean, you know, they hosted a re- we're number six national
3: seed. Like let, let's be real. Um, you so. don't think there's like a teeny, like, I don't want to say like a full blown decline, but like, no, th- there's a getting yeah. There, yeah. Like losing back-to-back regionals. There's like, definitely, there's a dip in talent. Yeah.
0: I'm just not ready to press the panic button. Like no. th- this has been a 3 year window and they're less than 5 years removed from possibly the greatest season in college baseball history arguably. I mean a clean sweep of the SEC and a national championship. So I I just think it's like you don't want to sound like an insane fan to say 5 years ago this team was literally arguably the best team in all of college baseball and now we're saying this program's in a decline is it's definitely you know not where it was five, 10 years ago. And it's if this happens again, two, three years without significant postseason success, then I think if that happens two years, the next couple of seasons, then you start saying this program is really in a decline and now it's a make or break. So I think you're what, three seasons away from saying potentially you're in a make or break season. So maybe there is a little bit of a decline, but I'm not ready to press that button quite yet. I agree. Would and, you
3: and, would you press a panic button if they got knocked out in a regional next year?
2: I would think about it. I'd have my hand so, on
0: it. So I'd be I'd be
2: playing with it.
3: So here's my thing. Like I think, and I don't want to sound so fickle because hypothetically speaking, like it's easy to say now, but if this actually happened, then my attitude might change. Like this is all hypothetical, theoretical. If Vanderbilt made it to a super and got knocked out. I don't. I wouldn't be as disappointed as I am now. Obviously, because you take a step forward after last year, mm-hmm. exactly. And I think too, like, and maybe, maybe I just don't have like uh, as good of a pulse on baseball as I think I do. But like, it's not like this regional that Vanderbilt was in was a tough regional. I think, like, yeah, I thought it was very, very favorable to them. So I don't think like. I don't think Vanderbilt should, like, we, I don't think we should hit a panic button right now, but I'm in the boat of, like, I think changes need to happen Mm -hmm. because I don't want to say it it can get out of hand. Like, I don't, like, I don't think if changes don't happen, we're going to go back to, like, 1980s Vanderbilt baseball, like pre-Tim Corbin baseball, but, like, if changes aren't made and adaptions aren't made, then... I could see it getting kind of rough and like rough to us is just normal to other baseball fans. I want to add that in there too, but like for Vanderbilt standards, like I could see it getting like kind of Rocky.
0: And I know the regional, I know it was disappointing. I, I was, I felt it. I was there. It was a very disappointing performance. This team won the sec championship. Mm -hmm. Like I I know that that is not the end all be all That should mean something baseball. It is absolutely not. I don't want to sound like a, Fucking Kentucky fan. Okay. That's like, we don't really even care about it when, whenever you lose it and then like suck it after you win the championship, which is every single Kentucky basketball <laughs> fan. It's absolutely their worst, worst trait and everything. That's, that's totally me and But like at the end of the day, in five years, this team, it's why whenever we give grades here, I'm assuming we're going to in a second for the overall season, like this season was not a failure. Because at the end of the day, this Vanderbilt team I don't think had the horses to win a national championship, Mm -hmm. okay? I I don't think that I really felt that with the bats. However, in five, ten years, this team is going to be referenced as an SEC championship team. I, I guarantee you it will. Because you're marked by these milestones. And that is, even though it's not the significant milestone, that is an accomplishment, So like, yeah, this season obviously was a disappointment, but I wouldn't categorize it as a complete and total failure. If they had lost in the championship to Texas A&M, obviously complete and total failure, but I'm not just going to throw away this team going home with a piece of hardware because they likely, I understand it feels better if they, if they make it to a super regional, but at the end of the day, that doesn't mean shit. It means absolutely nothing to make it to a super regional. So I understand they had a good setup, would have been playing Oral Roberts. Cool. They would have made it to Omaha. I didn't realize they were sending home trophies with teams that didn't win the national championship, but they made it to Omaha. Like the SEC championship means something. It really does. Everybody talks about it going into it like this might be tougher to win than a national championship. And then Vanderbilt does it. And we're like, oh, we don't give a shit. Like, (laughs) I mean, it, it obviously I know the emotions are riding high, but this team won. The SEC championship, I get it. I'm not going to be given a good grade. I promise after this rant, you're going to think I'm giving a better grade than I'm going to be giving. But I just don't think it's the complete failure and downturn of the entire program like you're seeing the overreaction of. And yes, I- very disappointing. Is this roster going to have significant turnover and look very different next season? Also, yes. So like your you're four seasons removed from the greatest season in the history of this baseball program and you want a fucking sec
2: championship chill the fuck out. (laughs) Uh, And I want to throw this out there too. look at the last two national championship champions in baseball, Mississippi state in 2021 Ole Miss last year, both of them missed the sec tournament and didn't even get to the tournament a regional at all. So that, that throw that, is a perfect example of how tough it is to maintain a high level of success. And Vanderbilt has been able to do that. So I want to throw that out there as well, but we have some fan questions to get to. I know we want to get to grades real quick at the end. We've got some good fan questions, actually first one. And I know this has been thrown at there a lot. This is from Mike Hutch on Twitter thoughts on Scott Brown. Not sure why people want him out, but Baxter can go. (laughs) So he, uh, he wants Mike Baxter out. But he's he's not worried about Scott Brown. To that, I will say Scott Brown, he ain't going anywhere. So you're good there. Yeah. Tim Corman's not letting go of Mike Baxter. He's he's just he's not. And again, I know the approach has looked bad. I know there are obvious reasons to be upset with Mike Baxter, but at the end of the day, Corbin, I don't think Corbin has ever fired an assistant. And it's it's not gonna start now. Um and i know trevor you've been all over this i think a lot of fans have as well i think there is I a fair am, i, I think do there, not like mike baxter i think there's a fair disagreement to be had but again yeah. I, to me it's you know baxter isn't in the box it, it's kind of the stackhouse thing that stackhouse preaches you know and he even said this i think in a lot of press conferences where you know listen i'm not out there playing you know I, i'm coaching i'm trying to put these guys in good positions to win um but again, there are – I think there's some concerns w- with the approaches. So I, I, th- I see both sides, but again, I think the bottom line is that Corbin's not – I doubt he makes a move unless Baxter decides to go elsewhere.
3: Uh, on the Scott Brown, I don't think – like I love whining about Scott Brown whenever he leaves a pitcher in for too long. With that being said, Scott Brown is arguably like – you could make the argument he's one of the best, if not the best, pitching coaches in college baseball – Um, And before him, it was Derek Johnson. And now he's with my beloved Cincinnati Reds, absolutely creating a bunch of beasts up there. Um, Scott Brown is really good. Scott Brown is not going anywhere. Yeah, can he be frustrating? Sometimes, of course, everybody can be frustrating. Do I love to complain about Scott or uh, not Scott Baxter, Scott Brown? (laughs) Do I love complaining about Scott Brown? Of course I do. With that being said, I don't think he should go anywhere. On to Mr. Mike Baxter. It's just, I think, the inconsistencies that you saw at the plate this year warrant a change. I think it was it was a year it was a year long process toward the start of the season, and and you can make the argument that Vanderbilt fans were overreacting at the start of the season, mm-hmm. um, because the bats didn't end up have a coming out party and for a stretch were some of the best bats uh in the sec with that being said it was such a roller coaster season at the at the plate and i just think the approach uh, yeah he did he did change they were being a little bit um more conservative at the plate whenever it comes to uh, appearances early in the season and whenever they got hot they said that um they were more aggressive early in the count. And I think that's good. I think you I think you do need to change throughout the season. But then probably when later in the season, whenever he should have told them, hey, like let's go back to being a little bit more conservative, like, let's watch some pitches go by, let's make the pitcher work. Um, you, you still saw a lot of batters go up there, swing for the fences, swing it zero zero counts, give the pitcher really like a helping hand. And I think that did Vanderbilt in for a lot of games and a lot of innings. Um, So with that being said, if he comes back, I'm not going to be like raging pissed off. But like, I do think there needs to be a change. With that being said, Tim Corbin is hyper loyal to assistants, um, especially alumni, like hyper, hyper loyal. Do I think he fired? Do I think he fires him? Probably not. Do I do I wish he would? Yeah, like I just think it's time for a change. Just get somebody else in there and just let's see how it goes. As much as I
0: went on the rant, which was very angry because I had to pee very bad. Now I'm a lot calmer. <laughs> um, this is one of those things that even though I went on the angry rant about this program is not necessarily in this spiral of decline. This is one of those things that Tim Corbin needs needs to change is the extreme loyalty to assistance. He's not getting the job done in Mike Baxter. He he's simply not. The approaches are sloppy, they're inconsistent. The talent on this team was better than the at-bats that we saw late in the season especially. So, I'm in complete agreement Trevor. I don't think he's going to do it, but I think he should make a change.
2: There's well, a lot well, of love I for There's a lot we'll of love have... for Tra- Travis Jewett out there who is a former uh, yeah. Vanderbilt the old hitting coach who's at USC now. And their batting average are, are like it sky high. Crazy. Like the numbers the numbers that they've put up for the Trojans. So Travis Jewett has gotten a lot of love for Vanny fans, whether it happens or not. I, I don't know. I, I doubt it. Um but again, who knows? Maybe 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 Corbin has a conversation. Maybe Baxter decides to make a change. But another the other part is Baxter's the recruiting coordinator. So that's that's the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Like he recruits a lot of those bats. I don't a lot of the yeah. pitchers, I think, too. So he has a big role on this team. Um, But who knows? Who knows whether it's need? I I think there's definitely an argument for that to be needed. We'll continue to kind of track that, see what happens. Guys, let's get to Art Goldfinger. Great question here. Who's your MVP of the season? Most valuable player this year for Vanderbilt? I have an easy answer. I, I, I think two. I think it I think is. we might have the same one. I we might all three have the same one. This is a no brainer for me. Trev, who 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 is? It? Are, are we? Devin are Futrell. we on the Oh no! For I think me, we're really no? different. Yours. For me, for me, it's R.J. Shrek. Really? Because R.J. Take R.J. Take R.J. Out of the lineup. Uh, there's not a there's not a single player hitting double digit home runs. That's a good point. And take that's our a good like. Point. RJ and a lot of his home runs weren't in big spots, so I can see why yeah. some people might disagree. Futrell was great. Futrell was the best pitcher statistically all year. He was healthy, yeah. that was a big part. Um, yeah, I just think with all the other pitchers, you know that you're you're sort of splitting hairs there. Like that, you have a lot of horses in that barn. I know the two yeah, main main horses true. weren't there most of the year, but to me, it's Shrek because he he kept him in games that they might 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 not have been in without him. Um, I mean, 14 home runs. He hit, he led the team in average most of the year. You take that out, you take that bat out. It's kind of scary to think about what Vandy would have been offensively without RJ. Well, I I think, oh, go ahead. I think
3: Futrell is my one A, and I would probably put Shrek at one B. I'm just going to go Futrell because I absolutely love pitchers, and for a good part of the season he obviously is not Paul Skeens, but statistically speaking, was right there was there, a yeah. stretch to where he was up there with Paul Skeens. Um, it, it with that being said, he was very healthy, but I get what you're saying. Like, I think that there was a point in the season to where you could have looked at Carter Holton and you were like, Oh, is Carter Holton the best mm-hmm. player on the team? Um, so on and so forth. And it's almost, I, I, I do. It, it's it, really a coin flip. Like, I don't, th- like, RJ Shrek is not my MVP, but, like, if you, like, you saying RJ Shrek is your MVP, I'm not like, oh, that's a terrible, yeah. like, it's, I'm like, that's not like a terrible take, yeah. you know what I mean? It's
2: almost bad how different statistically okay. he was and how much better in terms of power he was than every other hitter. Like, I think that's a problem. Yeah.
3: Like, I totally agree. I think that's why you need to change your, well. I think, yeah, great point. I say think you don't. Say RJ you don't Shrek hit- is a great reason that you need to change your approach to the transfer portal.
2: Yeah, say you don't hit on him in the portal. God, I don't want to think about what this offense would have been.
3: I, I, I really who's your, don't Who's your best power hitter if you don't have Shrek? Is it Maldo? Parker. Yeah, it's got to be Moldo. I mean, Maldo only, or...
0: only had 155 at bats and that eight home runs. Yeah. So, Nolan, I mean, Nolan Shrek I had I think... like 260 or 265. Parker,
3: yeah, Parker. Yeah. Nolan, I think, had nine.
0: But,
2: but oh, okay. yeah. Will, who you
0: got? I was going to go with saying basically exactly what you guys said, saying it's very difficult to pick just an mvp overall but shrek because he was basically the only consistent power that you had in the lineup and i'm glad you brought up fatrell but i do want to shout out this is not my mvp but if this team would have made a run i think maldonado coming out of the pen with a 145 era yeah. the season oh i would have gotten a, a lot take. more love that was gonna be my guy that if you guys had shrek who I anticipated both of you. I was going to say Maldonado, and the only reason that nobody is going to have him as the MVP is we didn't get enough of those clutch, late, postseason scenarios to have him come in and be absolute nails like he was yeah. every single time he was called on this season, pretty much. He was absolutely electric, came in, did the job, Couple times, not, but a majority of the time came in, did the job, closed. Really, out the only game. once. against yeah.
3: Tennessee. Or am I forgetting one? Yeah, I, I think, think that's, that's the, the one, one that popped time, up yeah.
0: when I said every yeah. single time. That's the one that yeah. popped <laughs> up in my head. But I was thinking maybe I was missing one. But other than that, he was shut it down. I mean, this is the guy. So yeah, he's my closer in baseball. He's my honorable mention, even though Shrek is is my overall MVP. Yeah. And I and I, I feel- appreciate the the Devin Fatrol as well. He's my the Maldo, that's a really woman.
3: good one. He didn't even pop on my radar, but I think you can make an argument that I think that's a totally great point too. Like if you'd have seen some super or even like a regional, I don't we didn't even see him in the regional, did we? No. Nope. Or am I just totally blacking out? Yeah, no, we did If you'd have seen some of those like postseason, like you got men on the corner, time to come in and close the door. I think he probably would have I mean, have Kumar Ryan made his well. made
0: his national name from from the Duke. Shut if yeah. I'm correct me if yeah. I'm wrong, but that that's when he became a national name. That's when you make your name in college baseball. And he unfortunately didn't have the opportunity.
2: And I really feel for Maldo, man. I mean, older yeah. guy, he wanted to come back and and go to Omaha, as every other yeah, player did. did on that team. But Maldo, I mean, he I think he put on Instagram, unfinished business. He came back with his brother, wanted a special season, mm-hmm. and there were some tough pictures to look at. I think he, you know, he was crying in the dugout, but Feel for him, man. Feel for all those guys. I mean...
0: Opposing batters were hitting 135 versus Nick Maldonado. I dude just, was I just nails. want to point that out as well. Was he nails. was He was probably the most slept-on guy on the entire roster, in my opinion.
3: Yeah. Follow-up, I've, v- I've got a very brief follow-up on that. I know we have other questions to go to, so I don't want to spend like one five more. minutes on this. Okay. And, and this might be a bad question by me. Who would you... Who's your MVP? Who is... Your most disappointing player this season. Because I have one.
2: That's a good one. Wow. Um
0: it's e- I mean, it's f- easy for me. For
2: for me, it's gotta be Enrique. Um that's where I'm at. Yep. I mean, you know, he hit three thirty six his freshman year. Um, he's a top fifteen pick in the draft. He just he didn't show up late, you know, when you yep. when you needed him most. He, he um, was great yeah. defensively yeah Still. phenomenal oh, yeah. The,
3: the best defensive center and it's fielder hard, it, in baseball
2: and it's hard to say him just because of the guy he is the the plays he made like he was i was he's probably my second pick for mvp almost <laughs> maybe either him or D- Futrell. like it, it it's so yeah. hard because he made so many like that game saving catch against arkansas was a game saving catch like, like he it's not
0: disappointing room. it's not disappointing because he sucked i think it's just disappointing it's just because the, expe- yeah. the expectations were so high It's not like Enrique Bradfield was like, oh, he sucked it up this year and hurt his draft stock. Like, yeah, he may not have improved his draft stock necessarily, but he basically just he was just disappointing at the plate a little bit. He wasn't horrific. He just wasn't the superstar that we all expected to see on the offensive side. He was everything we expected on the defensive side. But man, I especially like watching, late, and th- yeah. those memories late in the season are what really stick in your mind.
3: Like he's probably an MVP. Like this season, he's probably an MVP for a lot of other baseball teams. So I totally agree. It's the expectation that he had going in. Yeah. Um, a player that I just another one that I was like, "Good God, uh, Jack Bulger." I mean, God love him, but Jackie sheesh. Boy. Jack.
0: Yeah. Tough well, okay. Can Tough we, uh, Trevor, you, you're more of a baseball nitty gritty guy. How Jack Bolger, we're not even going to get to the offensive side, but how Jack Bolger frames pitches
3: is really bad.
0: I don't understand. It, it does not entice really the umpire bad. to give them a call and it's so noticeable especially watching weird thing
2: he would do for outside pitches he would like let it ride like he would like let it go and just kind con- like he wouldn't frame it really at it, all
0: it almost does the opposite it almost makes the umpire call balls on strikes it's because, because he so of how so aggressively movement. he frames it because he moves it so much and then you see espinal in, and and <laughs> i did not track pitches I don't have the data to back this up, but just watching you weren't charting a lot pitches. of games lately. Was. I was not, <laughs> shockingly. I, was, I had too many Miller lights to be charting accurately, so I didn't trust myself. <laughs> but it's like you can see that pitchers struggle to get those strike calls, and that corner of the zone is tighter when yeah. Bolger is catching. So I, I think it would be interesting if somebody that was actually paid um, to cover the Vanderbilt Athletics pitch. would like would like would run through and give us some data but I don't, know. Nah, I don't know. I don't
3: know. I don't. I I also don't know. But I will say for those of our listeners who are big Major League Baseball fans, um, Jack Bulger reminds me a lot of Gary Sanchez whenever he catches because the way he frames pitches is so hyper aggressive and has so much movement that even though it's a strike, the fact that he just moves it so much and so like violently makes the umpire think that might not have crossed the plate. And that's the big knock against Gary Sanchez is his framing is not smooth. And it's like like if it could be very well on the corner, like a great strike, and he's like brings it to the middle. And the umpire's like, that's a ball. But we like to even
0: these things out, especially talking about guys. Jack Bolger did have a hell of a throw. To hose down a guy at second. I don't remember yes, what he game. did. Yes, he did. Game, so Xavier. Shout out. Yes, it was shout a key out. moment Beautiful. in that game. He caught a guy stealing. So we just sh- shit on him a little bit for his framing of
2: pitches. But shout out to Jack bolger for that throw. Yeah, yeah. that was and, a great play. And uh <laughs> CJ Rodriguez for Vandy behind a plate was so good at, you know, if it's a board. Yeah, I think pitch, a lot
3: of that was we got spoiled with man. CJ.
2: Yeah. I mean, the catcher—that that's a spot where you got to watch, and we're gonna be watching a lot of these spots. I I have the roster pulled up. Big Al guy. See, <laughs> I did, I did a little bit. <laughs> I I did a little bit of prep, uh, guys, for this question. Shannon Howard asks, "Who's coming back? Who's coming back to the team? Who will Corbs let go?" So loaded question there. Um, here's what I did. I went through and blacked out guys on the roster that are probably not coming back, and then I highlighted guys that I think will be back. Here's what I've got. I'll start with the pitchers. Maldonado I don't think has any eligibility left. I don't think Maldonado will be back. Thomas Schultz also graduated. I don't think Thomas Schultz will be back. Uh, Sam Laboki is a question mark. I didn't black him out. I think Laboki will probably be back. Michael Doolin is listed as a redshirt freshman, even though I think this will be his fourth year next year. <laughs> he's been hurt like every year, so he'll he'll be back. He's got he's got eligibility left. Hunter Owen is going to be most likely a first round draft pick. I don't think Hunter Owen will be back. Um, and then for the freshmen that are coming in, I blacked out Ethan McIlvain. I, I think McIlvain is going to be an an early second round pick, maybe late first round pick. I, and again, he's a guy that you need to pull. You need to, you need to pick up McIlvain. So I blacked if out. If they could get
3: McIlvain, that is huge. Huge. That's, massive. That's bigger than Decan than getting Decannon Yeah, and you think.
2: You've got to believe it with his brother that pitched at Vanderbilt. That's a, that's, that's a good pull there. Yeah, legacy um, kid. Yeah, maybe the parents have a say in that. Uh, Thomas White, a freshman coming in, he's going to be a top 20 pick in the draft I've seen. So he's not going to be mm-hmm. coming to Vanderbilt. Max Clark is not coming to Vandy. You can just give up on that now. Um, even though he said there was a quote today from one of Robbie's stories, Max. I Clark saw said, that. Yeah, Max Clark goes. Yeah, I think it's fifty fifty for me right now. I'm like, dude, it's not fifty fifty. Quit trolling. It's, quit trolling. Yeah. Quit trolling, yeah. bro. You're, <laughs> You're going coming. to the draft, bud. You're not. Once if they to show him the, that
0: first contract, it will no longer be fifty.
2: <laughs> that that's that top five slot money. is Not bad. It
0: wouldn't be fifty. Just to throw it out there, it wouldn't be fifty fifty for me either. I would not be attending Vanderbilt. So, if I was in his <laughs> yeah. position, just to throw that out there, there's no ill there's, will. Here.
2: There's something called using. I know freshman, you would. Using, but you're insane. <laughs> there's something called using Vandy as leverage, and a lot of players have been doing that as of late. So, it's been a yeah. problem. Uh, Enrique Bradfield, I doubt he comes back. Uh, I mean, he'll top be a 15, top 15 pick. Top 15 pick. Uh, Troy Laneve I, I have a feeling he won't be back. I, I think he has another year of eligibility, but you know, he graduated. He's a redshirt senior, so I don't think he'll be back. Uh, a lot of infielders, I think, should be back. Uh, you should have both catchers back. You still got Logan Poteet back there. Uh, infielders, Parker Nolan has a year left. So even though he graduated, he still has eligibility. like Nolan, that'd be a big boost. Davis Diaz will be back. Uh, Jonathan Vaston will be back. RJ Austin will be back. Chris Maldonado will be back. Uh, you got a lot of freshman infielders coming in. So that's sort of what I got. Uh, I And I again, that's a rough draft. Uh, other outfielders, TJ McKenzie, might be back. Calvin Hewitt should be back. Matthew Polk should be back. Uh, a lot of the pitchers though are coming back I think. Futrell, Ginther, Halton, um you know, you look at some of the right handers, uh, Cunningham, Carter, David Horn, Ducanich will hopefully be healthy, Grayson Moore, maybe Patrick Riley. So, you look at the you look at that pitching staff, it should be fine next year. I mean, as they usually are. So, that's yeah. what I got there. I don't know if y'all have have really much to add there. I do just you think, think Patrick oh,
3: Riley would take over the Maldo closing spot? I'm so sorry, Will. I totally cut I, you off. Yeah, <laughs> you went on the opposite side too. Oh, <laughs> I uh,
2: I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that would be my guess. Um, yeah, I, if Schultz comes back, maybe Schultz. But yeah, I, I would think Riley would be slated, you know, slotted there. Yeah, where do you think the pop comes
0: from? In this lineup, I mean, obviously Maldonado is going to get more opportunities. That is a great
2: question. He's
0: got eight home runs in 45 games played. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to find at-bats, 155 at-bats. You have Diaz coming back, nine home runs also, but I think he started 62 games and had quite a few more at-bats. So outside of that, you don't have a lot of pop I mean, in this lineup. So it's got to come from somewhere.
3: I, I mean think it's a so. portal
0: or it's gotta something's gotta happen in the off season. Yeah, Tim Corbin, R- I know you don't want to change, but it might be time to get back to the old school juice. I mean, reject yeah. modernity. Get back on the, the, the old bats? school roids. <laughs> get back on the roids. Like I'm talking Calm, like Sammy Slack, Decca, Trent, Seiko. I mean, that's the type of roids. So I, I wanna s I want to see Maldonado like popping out of his jury I want to see I'm, Python's I'm, of biceps. I, I'm I'm like, I, I'm
2: I'm clipping that. Will get back to the roids. <laughs> That's it, it, yeah,
0: get back to when baseball was great. Screw yeah. the pitch clock. Screw all these elbow pads. Had your elbow with shatter your elbow solid solid like a man. Muscle had it with muscle. You think Mark <laughs> McGuire's elbow? He needed an. He needed a little elbow pad. No, Mark McGuire. The baseball broke in half. That's so When Mark good. McGuire got hit in the, the elbow best. of the ball. So, Tim, I've quote. got the answer.
2: It's time to start juicing. The best quote from Will over the weekend, I think it was the Oregon game, he said, shatter your elbow like a man.
3: Yes, he did. Brayden is sitting next to us as we're going on our rants. He's like, guys, that's so dangerous. I'm like, okay, oh, take the elbow pad off, you coward. <laughs> But Yeah, that's what I got. from the man for... with
0: the very crooked nose with multiple broken noses. So <laughs> do not listen to what I say about player safety.
2: So there's uh, there's the roster breakdown. Uh, take it as you wish. <laughs> so much can change. I mean, we don't know who's coming from high school. We don't know who's leaving. Some guys could enter the portal. I mean, that's destiny now. Guys are going to enter the portal. Who are you going to get from the portal, though? That's the big question for Vandy. Is it adapt or die? Know. Is it adapt or die? I think we might find out here in the next couple of years. Because there are some some decisions that need to be made. The crossroads are right in front of the Vanderbilt baseball program. And we will see what happens. Back-to-back regional losses. Will's calling a T, though. Time out.
0: We haven't done grades.
2: Ah! Grades. I almost forgot. yeah. That's like the final part of the exam. You got to – That's like the Mm -hmm. toughest part. All right, real quick. I'm interested to
3: hear Billy's grade.
0: (laughs) I'm always the
2: outlier, I feel like. Um (laughs) Man, this is tough. Who wants to go first? Anybody have their grade already? Will, you go first. I know. Here we go. All right. <laughs> no, I go first. You, you wanted yeah, it. Yeah, Trevor, well... you go first. I want to hear your okay.
0: because i okay. I've got 2 written down right now.
3: So, in in the door report GC before we started this pod, Billy and Will were talking about their grades and I said, "Quote, this season has been a has been a big wet fart total disaster." Um I don't know if total disaster is the right word, but I'm incredibly disappointed. Um, Vanderbilt baseball is not Vanderbilt football, and it's not Vanderbilt basketball. The expectations for Vanderbilt baseball year in, year out is Omaha. Um, And they did not really come close to sniffing that. Yeah, they won the SEC tournament, uh, but I'm sort of on the opposite side of Will to where if it was the SEC regular season, I would be like, okay, that's an accomplishment. I think the tournament did a lot of good things for this team. I think it really particularly helped them with seeding. I think it maybe gave them a little bit of juice. Um, but with that being said, I I mean, this team failed expectations. They failed to make it out of the regional. Um, it was such an up and down year. And for I feel like for most Vandy fans – It was really hard to put your thumb on this team. Like you couldn't get a pulse on them. You didn't know what type of team they were. They were just, they were so confusing to watch. At times they were awesome to watch. And at times they were hyper frustrating to watch. With that being said, um, I am one of those Vandy baseball fans to where year in, year out, I'm a big Omaha or bust guy. Um, I'm going to give this season a D. I was going to go F, but I'm going to go D. Not a D minus, but just a D.
0: You're not too far, even though I went on the rant that I went on. That's why I said I don't think we're actually as far off as that rant makes it seem. I just have to get out the little bit of positive energy that I had before <laughs> I get to my grade. I was, I was struggling between a D plus and a C minus, and I'm going to go with a C minus. And the only reason for that is logically... I want to give it a C minus in my heart. I want to give it a D plus. However, it is very weird in baseball how you just made the statement, Trevor, that is so different than basketball in that it would have meant more if they would have won the regular season. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't hold true uh, for me. I think that the mm-hmm. SEC tournament is postseason baseball. That's the reason that I couldn't give it a D plus, is this team didn't have a complete postseason failure. I think it is Omaha Omaha or bust for me, and the only thing that can prevent that statement from coming out of my mouth is going down to Hoover and winning an SEC championship. So Vanderbilt, yeah. without the SEC championship, this would have been an emphatic F of a season, even though they were a national seed. Uh, but with the SEC championship, that has to bear some weight. In my mind, so I'm going to give it a C minus, but it's a low C minus.
3: I think that is, I think you're exactly right. That is where we differ because I am the fan that you said earlier to where if Vanderbilt didn't win the tournament, I'm like, okay, who cares? Prep for the regional. But whenever they were in the championship, like I was very much like, oh my God, you guys better win this. Oh, and I don't want it to be, I don't want it to be
0: misstated. I would trade making it to Omaha for the SEC championship. Like, that matters more <laughs> no, to me. I know day, the rant yeah. I went on earlier may have not sounded that way, but I would not trade the SEC championship to just make it to a super regional. And I mm-hmm. think that's really? where... Uh, absolutely not. See, just I would. It. But but if you're saying that they make it to that super regional and lose the super regional regardless, th- no. Like, I'd take the SEC championship I... over losing in a super regional. I, that's, I think give me the super... Because at the end of the day, you're going to still view that season as a failure if you fall short in a super. You're not like, there's no, there's literally no hardware of any kind. There's no accomplishment of any kind of just making it to a super. Making it to Omaha still is a list, and there's a list of times you've made it to Omaha. There's no stat they flash that says times you've been to a super. There's making it to the NCAA tournament, and there's making it to Omaha. And so those are the two kind of categories. They obviously fell very short of the main goal of the season. That's why they're sitting at like a 71 or 72 on the college grading scale. They are not very pleased with their grade right now. I guarantee that. But I, I just don't think I'm quite as negative. And it's just differing views. I don't think your views wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if we got into a debate, we'd just more entrench into our side because both of us yeah. will have good logical reasons why we feel that way. Like, I'm still going to shit on a team like Tennessee that won the SEC championship and then absolutely blew it in the postseason. Like That's still relatively a a failure. Like it is, yes, but not a complete and total failure. And I just like to remind Tennessee fans, that's the only baseball accomplishment they have. (laughs) They don't have 2014 and 2019 national championships to say, hey, wasn't that long ago, buddy. So that was just my shot at Tennessee. Before you get to yours, I want to
3: ask, I want to ask both of you like a yes or no question, and I, I hate to cut it into time. Would you rather have an SEC regular season or an SEC tournament championship? Because I think mm. this is very easy.
2: Regular season. Okay. Regular season. I mean, you're okay. going through a whole season and you win it. I know you get the trophy, but I think you get a trophy too with the regular season. So I just think it's harder to win the regular season than it is the tournament. Um, you know, because the tournament I mean, it is, is in basketball I mean, as well, and nobody cares. Yeah, I mean, I
0: think it, you're a ba- splitting a basket. Hairs. The entire NCAA, like, this is where I fall into this, is if we want to get into what actually determines who the best team is, just eliminate every NCAA basketball tournament champion ever because that is absolutely not the best way to determine who the best team is. So, like, that's where I sit when people argue that side is n- the regular season literally doesn't matter. Like, once you enter postseason... None of that matters, and it's completely irrelevant. So all regular season accomplishments are just to get into the postseason, and then it's a clean reset once you enter conference tournament time, then another clean reset when you enter into NCAA tournament time. So that's how I view things across sports, because if you get into the argument of, well, the regular season means more than why the hell do we even have March Madness? Why do we even play? the NCAA College World Series because a three-game series, that's not going to tell you who the better team is. Let's just see you can win the most games throughout the regular season. Let's stop having postseason.
2: Here we go. I'm going to give this – Okay, so if you ask me this Sunday after the Xavier game, this is a quick F. I mean, we're all pissed, you know, F, that you failed. But I thought a lot about this team, and I could not stop thinking about – no Carter Holton for most of the year and no Hunter Owen for most of the year. You take off the two best pitchers of really any other sec team for most of the season. They're probably not hosting a regional. They probably don't win the sec tournament. They probably don't get a top eight national seed. Um, none of that probably happens. You know, they just sort of fold and melt down the stretch, but this Vanderbilt team didn't, they never quit. They punched above their weight. Um, and Trev, I, I'm with you. I was thinking in the D range, but I'm going to go C- minus with Will. And I don't think we've ever agreed on a grade before, Will. It's always been, it's always been, <laughs> like, I feel like we've always been totally different. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I just think C- minus with, with what Corbin was able to do. And Gentry Estes mentions this in his article. He said, anytime I was asked about why what makes this Vanderbilt team good, I couldn't come up with an answer. And he mentioned how most times it was it was Corbin. this seems good it, they're they're hanging in there because of their head coach and because of the culture what they've got going on I mean what they figured out they were able to do um so again, I was thinking D in the D range, but I'm going I'm going C minus. Uh, again, well, that's still 70, right? Low 70s on the, on the grading scale. So they're not. Yeah, we go college
0: that. grading scale here yeah. on the door report. So a C, C minus is a little bit harsher than that high school grading scale. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you,
2: you passed, but not, not with flying colors. I mean, that, yeah. this is, it's a tough season. I tweeted it. I said, massive disappointment. I mean, yeah. because it was, that. that's what it is. You don't get to Omaha as a Vanderbilt baseball program. That is a massive disappointment and, one more thing I want to bring up, Joe Fisher, the legendary Joe Fisher. Uh, I was about to say RIP, um, RIP to his, <laughs> his job status, but obviously we miss him on the call. Um, he had a good tweet we out have there. The we should. I was just thinking about that. He said, and I think this was after a lot of the tweets about disappointment, this huge disappointing year. He said, to me, the path to least disappointment is low expectation. 20 years ago, Vandy was hoping to find a way to make the SEC tournament. Now anything less than Omaha is a failure. I have no problem with accountability, but I would encourage you to take a moment to remember that. Guys, we're lucky. We're lucky to have a program that every time their season ends without a national title, it sucks. It really sucks because you know you've lost something special. Like you you don't get we don't get to watch this Vanderbilt baseball team anymore together. We don't get to watch any more Vanderbilt baseball games. And that always sucks as a Vanderbilt fan. So I I I loved how Joe tweeted that. It kind of brought me back to earth a little bit because I you know after that tweet I'm not. It's still a massive disappointment. I think that's that's what Joe was saying. He's not Mm -hmm. saying it's not a massive disappointment. It's just remember that it is a massive disappointment because of the expectations and because of what you think this team can do every year. And so just remember that as you uh you go about your work week. (laughs) I only have
0: one thing actually written down by hand. And it just said framing of success because like we didn't even communicate before this. That's like the one thing I wanted to get to on this podcast is it's a fine line and it's very hard to toe that line when you're a Vanderbilt fan, because you literally have every single side of the expectation that you can have from football. I mean, the goal is a bowl game. If you make it to a bowl game, that's a successful season in basketball. It's higher. You're more middle, upper tier, middle of the pack of the conference, but you're not quite an elite program uh, within the major conferences. But the expectation is you make the NCAA tournament every year. And then you have baseball that you not only should make, you should host a regional, host a super, and you should win the national title pretty much every year, or at least make it to Omaha every single season. So you have every side that you can possibly have, but he hit on the opposite side of what we talk about, Uh, When we get criticized for being harsh on the Clark Lee program or me and Billy at the beginning of this podcast being too harsh on Derek Mason is the subtle disrespect of low expectations. And baseball has the opposite of that, the pressure of high expectations. We said Enrique Bradfield was probably the most disappointing player for that reason he had very high expectations. It wasn't because we went into the season saying, oh, I hope these guys do their best, and they go out there and they beat some of these SEC teams. That would be awesome if we could see them compete against the big boys. That's not how you talk about Tim Corbin and the Vandy boys. You expect them to go out, dominate, and kick ass. And when that doesn't happen, you feel like, what the hell, this season was a complete and total failure when this was a top-10 team all year. So uh, I love that tweet from Joe Fisher. I'm, yeah, I'm sad it, I missed it. Was, it and, yeah. mm-hmm. and, man, no no disrespect intended to Andrew Allegretta, but, man, I miss Joe Fisher. Mm-hmm. God, I love Joe. God, mm-hmm.
2: I love Joe Fisher. Yeah, and uh, those two trophies are still looking pretty good at, at the Hawk. That, that's that's what Vandy baseball fans can can always uh, rely on. So long, beefy episode. It's after 10 o'clock for Trevor Hoolan, Will Byram. I'm Billy Derrick saying so long. You've been listening to another episode of The Door Report, powered by Locko Fine Wood Floors.